You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to the special broadcast. Uh, we are now joined by Dr. Ashish Cha, who is the Dean of Brown University and who has also been writing articles in the international press. Uh, because he's been advocating for a greater role that America should step in and help out at this moment of crisis for India. We're very close to crossing the 200,000 people killed in India from the COVID-19 pandemic. And just how the second wave is playing out is worrying people across the world. Dr. Chah, thank you very much for speaking with Hindustan Times. I want to just ask you, did you see this coming? Just a few weeks ago, it seemed like the world was celebrating India as the vaccine manufacturer for the world. And now we're looking to everyone for help with what's happening over here. Yeah, unfortunately, I think many of us saw this coming. Uh, you know, look, by mid-February, uh, certainly by late February, you could start seeing cases beginning to rise. And by early to mid-March, I would say it was very clear that India was headed for a very severe second wave. And yet there was no action. There was uh, the, the rallies continued, uh, uh, no real efforts to do public health mitigation until the numbers got horrible. And that's where we are now. So if you wait this long in this pandemic, one of the lessons of this pandemic is you wait too long and you're going to have a much, much bigger crisis on your hands. It's very unfortunate. Uh, India could have easily stemmed this by acting a few weeks earlier. But here we are now. And of course, we have to find a way to move forward. Could you elaborate on that, Dr. Jha? You're there in, uh, you know, you're there in the East Coast of America. You're saying uh, in February, and I have to say, being a journalist here in India, of course, I'm not uh, the health policy person, but being the political editor over here, you know, we didn't really see this. So what were those signs which were so obvious to do, apart from some of the numbers um, that uh, and, you know, what could have been done? Yeah, so it, a lot of it is the numbers and, and a lot of it is what was happening. So I was looking at India and I was looking at pictures of mass rallies. I was looking at uh, other uh, activities, the cinema halls opening up, cricket stadiums. And I just thought the pandemic isn't over. This is very concerning. And then in the numbers, you could see, you know, on February 8th or 9th, the number of cases in India bottomed out at about 9, 10,000. That was very, very low, of course. And then two weeks later, it was up to almost 20,000. That's a doubling in about two, two and a half weeks. For those of us who have been watching this pandemic, that's a very concerning sign. Now, I can imagine 20,000 people can miss it, but within a few weeks of that, by the time you get into early March, those numbers are starting to climb. At that point, alarm bells should have gone off. People should have started changing behavior. Policymakers should have started changing behavior. And then certainly by mid to later part of March, I and other people were on TV saying, this is, you know, this is a problem. We're heading for a second wave. There was still not enough action. So it's it's a combination of watching behavior and watching the numbers and and being getting very worried that this is where india was headed so it's clear you're saying it's not just the policymakers or the politicians who are holding you're speaking specifically about the rallies and that has been 
a cause of concern. So here's what I want to ask you, Dr. Cha, because your I think your family's from Bihar. Why is it that you know we saw those rallies taking place in Bihar as well, but we didn't see this kind of impact after that? Do you think? that because of this because that was also in the middle of a major high september october at that time where bihar elections were going on and do you think that policy makers because of the kind of lack of a pushback at that time or a fallout at that time that the election commission or those organizing the election just thought well if it if bihar was okay and we survived there was no kind of uh, you know you know there weren't people really falling sick post bihar elections we should be fine with these state elections as well Yeah, I I think that probably contributed and that makes sense to me. And look, no one piece of information should have complete is ever alone. The other third factor of course is that by February into March you were starting to see the a major wave of infections in Europe, you were seeing it in Brazil, you were seeing it in other parts of the world. Uh the UK and the US were coming off of major waves. a lot of this being driven by b117 the the variant originally found in the uk so india should have also had a perspective of again we live in a global economy uh, so maybe last fall those variants weren't so pronounced but now they were starting to become more common around the world uh, also sets india up for risk again you can look at any one piece of information and ignore it and i think reasonable people would it's when you put the whole thing together that by late february early march i think it was it was starting to become really clear and as i said many of us by mid to late march were sounding the alarm that we really do have a problem so you'd agree with madras high court which has now said that the people in the poll panel should be charged you know they're culpable it's you know they're responsible for murder they should be charged with murder for holding elections like this and having rallies like this because it was only much much later uh middle of the month when they stopped when political parties themselves decided that they're not going to have big rallies they still had rallies but they had they didn't have ones like that yeah i mean again i don't want to get into the politics of of inculpability i do think policymakers uh the best way i believe policymakers are held to account is by the ballot box uh but i do believe that policymakers um should have acted earlier that i think is clear to every expert who's been watching india is that action should have been taken earlier what happened with kum mela was i think really irresponsible and and caused i'm sure has been a major source of a lot of the infections across the country so there are many many contributing factors not just one thing such as the political rallies um and uh and that it's a real problem and but the bottom line is here we are now and we have got to find a way to get through this period uh i am very worried about what the next few weeks will bring and we've got to find a way to save lives and 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 reduce suffering as much as possible let me ask you about the piece that you wrote in the washington post and i know that uh, the policy makers in america they consult you as well they're obviously reading what you're writing as well dr cha do you think in the last uh, couple of days we've seen the us finally responding initially they were saying look we have to take care of our own domestic concerns because us has been hardest hit perhaps because of the kind of pressure that people have put on them joe biden got on a call with narendra modi do you think that they are respond finally responding or do you still think they are uh, you know lax in their response to what's unfolding here in india 
No, I, I think the U, uh, U.S. administration, I think the Biden administration is taking what is happening in India very, very seriously. And and there's lots of signs of that. It's the president speaking out. It's the vice president speaking out, the secretary of state. When you have all of the major leaders all publicly talking about something, that means it has reached the highest levels and they're taking it very seriously. Um, I am very, very happy with the list of things that they are doing thing I have always tried to point out is that allies and friends come to each other's help and come to each other's aids uh, in the moment of crisis. And India and America, two major democracies, two of the world's two largest democracies, have a special obligation to each other as friends and as, uh, as democracies. And therefore, in this moment of, of India's crisis, it is essential that America act and America do as much as it can. And I'm hopeful and, and optimistic that you're going to see real action from the U.S. government. Could we get into some of the details of what kind of help should we expect from America right now and things that uh, they could really help with right now? You even say that even at this point, one of the easiest things that America could do is send us more testing kits. Yeah, you know, part of what I've been doing in this in the last few weeks is also speaking uh, confidentially to senior policymakers in India, in the health ministry, in states, uh, also trying to get an assessment of what does India really need. Because I can look at things from here in the United States, but it's much more important to talk to people on the ground in India and get a sense of what's happening. Uh, it's very clear to me just looking at the data that uh, India does not have enough testing capacity, enough for the level of infection that exists. Uh, test positivity rates are way too high. Uh, and America has a lot of capacity on testing kits. And so that's a place where I think we should absolutely, the U.S. should be sending uh, and helping you on that front. Um, we have been manufacturing in the last few months a lot of high-quality masks, a lot of high-quality personal protective equipment. Uh, universal masking is an essential part of getting through this pandemic uh, that I think needs to happen in India, and, and high-quality masks are an important part of that. Uh, so I think that should be sent. We've talked about vaccines, vaccine raw products, as well as finished vaccines, uh, oxygen. Of course, everybody has been talking about medicines, that hospitals are running out of medicines. And then there's a whole conversation about things like field hospitals, uh, again, I think that's something India can do on its own, but if it needs help or, uh, again, the size of the problem is such that um, any country, I think, would need help in these moments, uh, that's another place where America can potentially play a role. So I think ultimately the two countries and their leaders and their health leaders are going to have to sort out what's most useful. Uh, but I think there are many things America can do. I know that, uh, you know, you don't have much time, but before we end, I just wanted to ask, when you talk about masks and America having very high quality masks, are you saying that N95, uh, which are, of course, very expensive? I was speaking to Dr. Gagandeep Kang yesterday, and she said that, you know, it's something that most people can't afford. Um, so what are the masks that you're talking about, which you think that people should be using? Yeah, there are actually many high-quality masks beyond N95s. N95s, of course, are, for healthcare providers, essential. There are KF94s. Actually, those are made largely in South Korea. Uh, and I have recommended that for the American public. But the U.S. government has been actually working on, in the last mo uh, many months under the Biden administration, production of high-quality surgical masks. Uh, there are a lot of private companies that are making very, very high-quality surgical masks that are not quite as good as N95s, but very close. And the truth is, 
most people, I don't wear an N95 when I'm out and about, and you don't need, most people don't need that, but high quality surgical mask, high quality cloth mask, high quality other types of masks uh, are all going to be very, very useful, especially with this very contagious set of variants that are out there right now. Uh, those masks become particularly important. So there are many options as long as they're well-fitting, high-filtration uh, masks. So, so Dr. Chow, when you said that, um, you know, you feel that the administration, Biden administration is giving a lot of focus right now, there seem to be some kind of um, a perception here in India that because the Modi government was seen to be quite close to the Trump administration, uh, even uh, saying at the Houston rally uh, for Trump that is bar Trump ki sarkar, uh, so they felt that perhaps the Biden administration was a bit cold towards what was happening here. You don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. And, I, and I've been speaking to people very high up in the Biden administration. And I think the Biden administration understands uh, that these are not issues of Donald Trump and Joe Biden and Narendra Modi. These are uh, longstanding relationships between two countries, two peoples, and they have to transcend who the political leaders are at any given moment. So, um, and, and I think that is exactly the attitude that, that, that President Biden is taking. Uh, I, I think that's the attitude that Prime Minister Modi is taking, uh, that in this moment, we have to put those politics aside and focus on the issue at hand. And the issue at hand is not helping Joe Biden or Narendra Modi, it's helping the Indian people at a moment of crisis where friends come to each other's aid, uh, whoever is in charge. Final question to you. A lot of people have said that the international gaze on India at the moment, which showing those visuals of uh, Hindu cremation sites, uh, they, they're just portraying it incorrectly. I just want to, you know, you're out there, you have a good idea of what the sensibilities are here in the subcontinent. Um, what would you say to those people? Yeah, what I would say to those people is that there are a couple of things that are important. Of course, India has a lot of capacity. I talk publicly about how it is the manufacturing cap uh, capital of the world for uh, vaccines. It's got a lot of capacity. But the bottom line is those cremations, uh, with the, the pictures, images seen outside of the hospitals, those are also the reality of where India is right now. And, uh, and so I don't think that it is somehow unfair to... Uh, show any weakness of India. India is a complex country. It is a wonderful country. It's got a lot of capacity. But the idea that everything in India is perfect and that nothing negative can be shown, I think is not either helpful nor is it true. And so in general, I think that global media has done a good job. Obviously, at times, they tend to focus on the negative. We saw that here in the United States, where when hospitals started getting overwhelmed in Los Angeles, all the pictures were of people having a hard time getting patients into hospitals. The media tends to do that a little bit everywhere. Uh, but I think showing that broader picture is important. Uh, as I said, India has got, uh, is a very complex and, and, and incredible country, uh, but it has strengths and weaknesses and we need to see all of it. Dr. Jha, thank you so much for speaking with Hindustan Times and I hope to catch up with you next time when there are better times all over. Thank you very much. I look, for I look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you so much.
these teams that you make on this app. Are you even winning? Mm, not yet. It's better to win on Crick Bazi contest. Watch Crick Bazi on HD Smartcast YouTube channel and win exciting gifts on the daily Crick Bazi ka Bazigar contest. Crick Bazi on HD Smartcast YouTube channel. Click on the bell icon to never miss a chance to win. Subscribe to HD Smartcast for more podcasts. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.